The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carrier. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live from the CG Technology Studio. Brian sends one a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cobweb. 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 Holy cow. Look at the left fielder. He has the ball in the end. He has that one. And here comes the cow out on the field. Glad to have you with us. Oh, yes, today is a glorious day. Why is it glorious? Because we have postseason baseball, weekday baseball, four American League games. Tomorrow, we are going to have eight games, four in the NL as they start tomorrow, four more American League game twos. Do you know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow is going to give me the feeling like it is March Madness. Since we got gypped and we didn't have any March Madness, we're having a baseball version tomorrow. T.C. Martin Show, glad to have you here. Ballpark Frank in the house. That's how much he loves baseball, ladies and gentlemen, because he is the one and only Ballpark Frank. I still like baseball. I used to be a really big baseball fan when I was a kid. Yeah, It's not my favorite sport anymore, but I still like it, and I like the playoffs. Little weird playoff this year with sixteen teams and everything that's going on, but it's uh, it's cool. It's very cool. It's very cool yeah. because we've got baseball back, and now you know these games meant a lot. We talked a lot about that during the course of this regular season, only sixty games, and really in baseball, you really need fifty or sixty games just to get cranked up and you know to find your swing. So you know now it's playoff baseball. Everything is is so important when you're playing two out of three series. Just insane with no travel. And if you are the higher seed, you have every one of those games at home. And that's what's happening right now with the Astros and the Twins. The Twins got a run uh, early on in this game off of Zach Greinke. A uh, two-out double from Nelson Cruz. Led one nothing, and then the Astros just scored in the top of the seventh. So it's 1-1 Houston and Minnesota. So that is one game happening in the American League. And then the White Sox are playing the A's in Oakland, and we could have history in the making here. The White Sox are up 3 nothing, and Lucas Giolito's got a no-no as he is perfect through six innings right now. And he's one of the only two pitchers this year to throw a no-no in exactly. the regular season. Exactly, yeah. And he's the guy that the Washington Nationals two years ago gave up on and went to the White Sox, and this guy throughout the minor leagues, they thought, okay, this guy could be something special. Had a horrendous year. Actually, he was the, had the worst ERA of any starting pitcher his first year uh, as a starter with the White Sox, but had a tremendous year so far this year. Now he's starting game one of the playoffs, and he's got a no-no going through six, so and, we'll see what happens. And just like every other year, the baseball playoffs start right after the day that uh, somebody wins the Stanley <laughs> Cup, and the NBA playoffs are still going on. The final's about to start. So. Yes. Yeah. T- typical year. How crazy is that? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk about this. So the Stanley Cup is now the pride of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Here it is at the end of September. And uh, aren't we supposed to start hockey again? Well, no, we should already be starting the 2020-21 season, right? Already. Yeah, the, yeah. Pre- the preseason should be winding down. It should be winding down. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, it should be getting ready for the final preseason game and then the regular yeah, season. Because October 1, boom, we're ready to go. And uh, so that that's not happening. And do we even know when the start of the season is going to be now that we the season's officially over as the Lightning close out the Dallas Stars last night in six games? They're looking at different scenarios right now. They're kind of pointing towards probably around January 1st, but a lot of that will depend on what goes on with COVID, uh, how it, if it continues to 
the numbers drop or if they expand with the flu season coming in. There's a lot of different things. I have a feeling that unlike the NFL and the NBA who get gigantic money from TV, if there's going to be no fans in the stands, it's going to be very hard for the NHL to come back that early. Right. So it might be, uh, you know, it might be coincidental with when the fans are allowed there because they can't play regular season in a bubble. Right. Well, here we go. Um, last night, the Tampa Bay Lightning, victorious. So they win, like we said, four games to two. And I'm very curious from a fan perspective. I would love to hear uh, from a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. I actually talked to one earlier today. What it's like watching your team win a championship in a bubble. Winning a championship with no crowd. Exactly. Now, for me, this, this season has been so crazy, as we know. I and mean, we had the start and stop, and we had the big delay, you know, months delay. And then we go ahead and we finish a season in the summer. And, you know, Frank, we're, we're watching hockey, and the, you know, the play was great. You could still, you know, hear the puck in the ice and that sort of thing. You, hear, you could hear the players. Uh, NHL and the networks did not want to pipe in any sound, any crowd sound like we're seeing with the other sports. So here we have a cup champion, and you know that it just feels weird as, as a player, but from a fan's perspective, when you haven't got a chance to attend any of the games, you can't really get involved, and you see a cup hoisted with, without any crowd. I mean, how does that feel if you feel, hey, my team finally won a championship, but I feel like... This isn't fully satisfying. Um, I completely disagree. Okay. Uh, not completely, but yeah, it'd be weird and it'd be different. But would it be that much different than when you're, if the team wins and they're on the road and they win the cup and you're still watching it at home? You weren't at that game either. I mean, did you see the the, the streets of Tampa last night? There were people all over it. There were people going okay. crazy. But I will go there- to this when the the Capitals won it here in Vegas. I mean, they had a couple thousand Capital fans that were here. People were outside. I mean, the, 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 the town had plenty of, of Caps fans. And again, you still had that electricity. You had Golden Knights fans giving the Golden Knights and the Capitals standing ovations. We were there for all that. So for me, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's missing. And I know what you're saying about you know fans outside, this and that, but still, well, yes, it's so, so, weird to ho- hoist a cup well, or win a championship it, well, like what, that way. What isn't weird right now? Of I course understand. it's weird, and I said, yes, it's different, but if your team wins the Stanley Cup, especially a team like Tampa Bay who lost to the Blackhawks in 2015, and everybody, myself included, thought it was just a matter of time before they won one, then they find a way to choke every year. Last year, they were swept in the first round. The year before that, they were probably the best team. The year before that, they were one of the top teams. They've been a favorite to win the Cup for quite some time now. I would think that they finally have a sense of, we finally got the monkey off our back and won this damn thing without our captain, Steven Stamkos, who I thought it was a classy act, but they called him up and let him take the Cup first, even though he only played a a part of one game and did get a goal in that game, missed the majority of the play, I would think that it's a big sense of relief, and they finally got the cup that they've been after. The players' names are still going to be on it. We're going to remember that it was the cup during the pandemic and the COVID cup or whatever you want to call it forever. But they're also going to be on that cup forever. Do people remember strike short in season? Do people remember other things, lockouts and things like that? If you win the Stanley Cup, you won the Stanley yeah, Cup. That's not that's my the debate here. The debate is not from the players' perspective. They put in the hard work. They were there. They sacrificed more than anybody, so they are going to take it to heart. I'm just saying from a fan's perspective, I, I, I talked to one Tampa Bay Lightning fan. They said, yeah, it is anticlimactic. There's no doubt about it because you've had this weird season, and then it's like, you I don't know. Was as we watch television, that's why the networks are force feeding us. And getting into that on a terrible Tuesday, force feeding this fake crowd noise because they realize that it's missing. And there are people that are calling out networks and calling out the league and the NFL, saying, "You know, this is garbage." So I'm just saying, as a fan, I I I totally believe that there are they are a little bit less satisfied. Players, I'm with you. That's that's not what I'm talking about at all. I think just from a fan's perspective, it's like. It's weird. It's it's weird, and it's not as fulfilling. Well, it, it might be weird, but if, if it's not fulfilling, then I think you need to look yeah. in the mirror and check yourself. Your team still just won the Stanley Cup. It may be arguably, in some ways, the most difficult cup ever to win because of everything else surrounding it. What the hell do you want? <laughs> you won the cup, and you're not satisfied and fulfill? Oh, too bad. Oh, poor you. 
You weren't at the game. Were you going to be there anyhow? It's not Celebrate that. the damn it's club. It's not that. It's not being at the game. For, for the fans that can't be at the game, I'm sure that's 100% how they feel. But again, just you know, being able to watch it uh, on a regular basis in the normal environment so that you've been NBA accustomed to forever. So is the NBA going to be the same way? I is think baseball yeah. going to be the same way? That, that's the question. Now, baseball's going to have fans. Remember, they're going to fill up They're going to fill up those but stadiums. But they're not going to be in their real home stadiums. I, that There's going to be two places unless the teams from those areas are the teams there. I'm it's not going to be the same. talking about last night and talking about the NHL, and I think the NBA is going to be the same way. The WNBA is going to feel that same way. The players have already said, at least in the NBA and the WNBA, how strange... It is, you know, playing these playoff games without anyone. Now, the NBA at least has a handful of fans because they've got their, their family, but those aren't ardent, you know, screaming fans. So, again, just a, just throwing it out there. I mean, how weird is it to watch? Well, it but is again, weird. for a for you to, yeah, just as a fan, it's like, hey, you finally get a cup. You finally get one, but oh, I kind of feel gypped. That's all I'm saying. That, that is out there. But if you feel chipped, then you need to check yourself. Your okay. team won the Stanley Cup. You ought to celebrate that fact. All right. There you go. I mean, right. how selfish are you? <laughs> this is a terrible Tuesday. Can you tell? It's terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, it went wrong last night for the Baltimore Ravens. We talked about it yesterday. Chiefs as an underdog. Are you kidding me? Chiefs won 34-20 going away. And Lamar Jackson's last year's MVP. Well, he did it again last night. He did not play well in a big game Stat-wise, 15 for 28, only 97 passing yards, a pathetic QBR. He ran for 83, but one of them was on one carry during the opening drive. Got 30-plus yards on that, but here we go. The debate, Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. Again, they cannot be the Chiefs. And again, I do not feel good about Lamar Jackson being last year's MVP. I understand it was a regular season MVP, but again, when you have not won a playoff game, you are 0-2 in playoff games, you lost to the Tennessee Titans, you lost to the Chargers, you're 0-2 against your chief rival, the Kansas City Chiefs, the last two seasons. So for me, Lamar Jackson hasn't proven it to me. He still has not won a big game. Well, we talked about it yesterday. We talked about it last week leading into this game that Lamar Jackson, he's a, he's a great regular season quarterback, but he hasn't gotten it done in the big games. So, and that's the MVP is for the regular season. They have postseason awards as well. I don't know if you can argue that he was MVP last year for the regular season, but yeah, you get paid to win championships. You get paid to win playoff games. That's why Mahomes has the gigantic contract he has. That's why Mahomes, I don't know if you saw the, the thing on TMZ, but his girlfriend basically counting, she was laughing when they listed him the number four quarterback last year. She counted on her fingers. One, two, three. Guess which finger she saved for last for number one. It was the one that you would think. The salute that says... Yeah, I disagree yes. strongly. Yes, yes. I mean, you could say you could put Drew Brees, you can put uh, Aaron Rodgers, even Tom Brady, Russell Wilson's probably at the top of that list. Who's never got a and, first place vote? Yeah, exactly. He's never got a first place vote. But what's the common denominator? Those guys have won numerous playoff games. They've won numerous big games, and this guy hasn't won one big game. Whether regular season or postseason, again, remember they had high seeds, and you can't beat the Titans, and you can't beat—you know—you're one and do- I mean, you're you're one and done. That's it, and, and you're favored, and you're at home, and you can't win. I'm sorry, that is not a most valuable player, and we saw it again tonight. You're supposed to win the big games against the the good teams. Last night, he wasn't good at all. And and, on, and unlike a team like the Falcons, who have a defense that basically lets them down, even if they get a lead or something like that, he's generally had a pretty good defense supporting mm-hmm. him as well. Yeah. So the reason they're not winning is whatever, but uh, it might be a little choking. It is. And you look at their schedule, you know, not the most competitive division. You go back and I was looking at the victories going back to last year. Not really impressive. Yeah, you beat the 49ers. Okay, you beat them. Still a very young 49er team last year. 
Okay, you beat Buffalo. Wasn't really thinking you're going to do much, and Buffalo didn't do anything in the postseason. But again, they couldn't beat Kansas City and couldn't win playoff games. So that debate will continue to go on. But you know, Patrick Mahomes definitely number one. Whatever, which which finger that you like. <laughs> Did you see the post game interview? We've seen this before, but last night I was really paying close attention to this. So Lisa Salters is doing the interview for uh, ESPN last night, Monday Night Football. She's interviewing Patrick Mahomes. She's sitting in the third row in the stands. They've got this gigantic boom mic interviewing Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And he's 15 yards away. So this is what cracks me up. So Mahomes is on the field, at least 15 yards away. She's sitting in the stands asking questions. We can't they can't be near each other. However, Patrick Mahomes hugged every teammate that he could last night. He's high fiving, they're hugging, they're wrapping each other's arms around each other. He's doing it with the opponents, but we can't be within fifteen yards for a post game interview. I mean, come on, this is getting sillier and sillier with what we're doing here. Well, obviously, the whole thing is silly. It, it was silly in the NFL when they were finding coaches for not wearing their mask while they were coaching on the sideline. It was a way for the NFL to get some more money. It's the way that they're trying to look like they're doing everything right and like they care about this, while at the same time saying, whatever's going on on the field and everything, we really don't care about this, and we're going to do whatever we do. So it's a very strange time, but they're going to do what they have to. But the interviews... It, it happens in all the sports out there. It happened at the U.S. Open in the tennis. It's happened in other sports. It happens in the NBA with the interviews. In UFC, they don't go into the cage anymore afterwards. They have somebody stand there, and then they ask them from a distance. They give the facade that they are making it right when realistically, like you said, the NFL players, he's hugging everybody. They're beating the crap out of each other for the full time of the game. In the cage in the UFC, they're beating each other up and sweating and bleeding on each other. But then they're going to practice social distancing after the danger time is over. It's kind of crazy, but welcome to 2020. In the NBA and the WNBA, you'll, you'll see the interviews take place on the floor, and they're about six feet apart. Not this 15-yard thing where we're actually putting the sideline reporter in the stands with the big boom mic. It's just weird. I mean, again, it's 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 excessive. It's just like the coaches with the mask and now the face shield. Find them a ridiculous amount of a hundred thousand dollars. You know, now you know Vic Fangio went to the to the face uh, guard, just the face mask or whatever you want, the Darth Vader thing, because like Andy Reid. And you know, you got to figure out how that's not going to get fogged up because Andy Reid, poor guy, couldn't even see in week number one. It's almost like a it's Saturday ridiculous. Night Live skit going yes. on live. Exactly. <laughs> NFL crowd noise. Yes. So after three weeks, television viewers are very displeased with the fake crowd noise. So here's how it works a lot of people don't really understand. And Brian Salmon talked to us about this last week. You know, being there uh, at uh, Allegiant Stadium, it was dead quiet. And then, so what's happening, the networks are pumping in the fake crowd noise. So what they did, they hired a guru from NFL Films to put together a loop, and this is what we're hearing. But, again, we know these fans, they're diehard fans, and they're really not that stupid. A lot of fans are complaining, I've noticed it myself, that the the loop is is cheering for like ridiculous things. So, for example, I was watching a game this past weekend. There was a one-yard rush up the middle, and the level went like so. My eyes are going like, "Oh, what happened? There's something else happening outside of the television camera. That somebody's getting beat up or something like that. Who knows what?" And the announcer, "Okay, it's going to be second and nine. So this is what we're having, and it's 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 weird that you they've had plenty of time to prepare. You would think they could get this thing right." And then, you know, some stadiums are piping in sound, but then again, they have to have a, a decibel level, and we're not even seeing that. So, again, if we're going to do, do this, maybe let's do it right, but right now, this thing's all over the place. Well, it's totally all over the place, and you don't have to look any farther than a couple weeks ago when we did a terrible Tuesday, and we mentioned that in Philadelphia, they had the booze in the crowd. Nobody heard that on the field. Right. That was the booze in the crowd for the people on TV in that. And everybody went, oh, my gosh, they're actually booing Philadelphia at home to make it sound real. No, they weren't. They weren't in the stadium. This is something. It's kind of like the guy that does the music soundtrack is now also doing the crowd soundtrack. And sometimes they're going to hit the wrong button or not know what the hell they're doing, and it's going to sound stupid. A lot of times we hear stupid. You're right. We hear cheering for a play that there should be no cheering. We hear booze for a play when there's perfectly nothing wrong with if they hit the wrong button, then it's going to sound dumb. Yep. And we hear a lot of dumb going on right yep. now. But the players in the stadium, 
They don't hear it. Yeah. A lot of people think they do. They don't. Yeah. You know, in a kind of a cool way, in California, they've made a new law, the Kobe Bryant law. And it's a good thing because first responders are no longer allowed to take pictures at the scene of a fatality or just something that's outrageous. That's a good thing. Why were they ever allowed to do it? Why was this even? Why did they have to make a law that said first responders cannot take pictures of a car crash, a helicopter crash, or something else, and then send them to their friends or other people out there? Vanessa Bryant is suing the state of California, and she's suing the different people that are involved in this. You know what one of the first responders did with these crash pictures, allegedly? They tried to pick up a woman in a bar with it. Hey, I was at the Kobe crash. Want to see some of this stuff? How sick and disgusting is that? I think it's good that they're making this law. But why was there ever not a law against it in the first place? Why are you taking pictures when you're not part of the crime scene and the police scene in that, that, that this is even a case? And you're trying to pick up a woman in a bar by showing pictures of somebody's end of their... You are scum. Yeah. You are human garbage. You know, I witnessed a accident about a week and a half ago, and it was it was coming on the other side of the street, and I saw this car was going about 78 miles an hour and flipped over three times. I said, oh, my God, this guy's got to be dead. So I flipped around. There was one other car. There were two of us that stopped, and the guy got out of the car. And it was like, are, are you okay, man? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Then, so called the other person called nine one one. They wanted us to hang around, and take a statement or whatever. And so I was hanging around for about a half hour, forty minutes or so. I didn't get a good glimpse of it. So I really said, "Hey, I'm probably not going to make a good witness." I was on the other side, and I just saw the car flip. Don't know what happened or whatever. And uh, so, sure enough, just like you said, and it, I didn't even think about this until I saw it. Couple, you know, a couple guys come over and say, "Hey, what's 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 going on?" I said, "Man, the, this guy was you know, coming around the corner. He, he hit this rock, ran into the tree, hit this wall, flipped over three times. I mean, the car is totaled. Oh wow, really? Got on his camera just like this. Boom, start videoing. Here comes the other guy. Boom, start videoing. And it's just like, and, and the the fire truck is there, and they're 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 spraying it down, doing all that stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, nah, man, this this isn't cool. And they would not stop." videoing this stuff well and, and it's bad enough like you're talking you're talking about civilians doing something like this yeah. and and that's absolutely ridiculous but we're talking first right responders. i understand you're, we're talking about something different on but, the scene yeah. and then trying to either profit from it by calling tmz or somebody and do something with these photos or picking up women in a bar with it mm. I th- but i think the civilians are doing the same oh, thing they are it, and, and and that's yeah. one of the things too that they keep on claiming that they have the right for everything mm. that's why sometimes you know what if they take the police tape and they make people stay farther and farther and further away, I get it. I understand it. You shouldn't be doing this. Now, I used to work in a restaurant years ago back in Illinois, and there was a girl there that I knew for years, and she had got a job with a lawyer. And she brought in some crime scenes of a woman who had been uh, raped and literally murdered. And she was showing us pictures, and I'm like, what are you doing? Do you know the trouble you could get into? Not to mention the fact that these are personal things of this. This is absolutely terrible. I don't understand people and how low they will go. And I'm sure. Well, I think we saw it with the, uh, you know, the October one. Oh, we you know, totally sure, did. We, we, I mean, look at how many people were, were doing that. They were, yeah, just just sad and sick. Man. All right, how about some bad beats? Man, here's a bad beat for you. At Saturday's game. Iowa State is a three and a half point favorite against TCU. Now check this out. Iowa State is up 37 to 28. I don't think any of us had this game, so we can kind of laugh about it. But the people that had TCU, going to feel sorry for you on this one. So again, three and a half point favorite. They're up 37-28. TCU is driving the ball down the field. Looks like get a touchdown. Seven seconds to go. A 31-yard pass to the end zone. Complete. Do the math. It's now 37-34. How much time is on the clock? It's zeros, all right? So they trot on the, the, uh, the, the PAT. Referee says, uh, no, guys, I'm uh, going to go over and talk to the coaches, talk to Gary Patterson from TCU, talk to the Iowa State coach. Um, game's over. And they go, what are you talking about? The game's over. They go, well, since you know, TCU scored and you don't have a three-point play in your pocket, game over. They go, okay. 
They treat it like right. an overtime or something. Exactly. Like when you get it if you get the right. touchdown. But what's weird is in the NFL, the PAT accompanies the play. Whether there's no time on the clock or not, so they will kick it or go for two or do whatever you want because we've seen that before. Right. College, no good. People irate. They had TCU plus, you know, or rather minus three and a half here. I guess that's where you need to know all the all the rules and all the laws and stuff. But yeah, that no. definitely is a bad yeah. beat. That's a tough one. That's what I'm saying. Actually, Iowa State minus three and a half. So there you go. And uh, final score, there it was, uh, 37-34. <laughs> all right. You know... We're talking about this COVID-19 and how on different campuses and that they're trying to get it under control. But did you see what's going on at Purdue University recently? Yes. Purdue University. 13 student athletes have been suspended for throwing a party that was basically a little party where ah, no face mask, no nothing else going on. COVID is now spreading rampant on the campus there. And uh, these student athletes have been basically kicked off their teams. I understand you're young. I understand you want to meet with your friends and that kind of stuff. But if you're a student athlete or if you just have a brain in your head, period, there's certain things that you need to do in this day and time. And we're still not taking it seriously all over the place. Student athletes at Purdue, way to kick yourself off the teams by throwing a little party and getting suspended because you didn't use any protocols whatsoever. You acted like it was party like it's 1999, not like it's 2020. (laughs) And the suspended students now must vacate their residence hall by Wednesday. So they're getting kicked out of the resident hall. Uh, You're gone. Yeah, even though they can't appeal their suspensions. But yeah, like you said, yeah, uh, what, 13 athletes in total 14 students. And uh, they wouldn't tell us which sports, but they did say, I thought it was kind of interesting, but there are no basketball players. No men's or women's basketball players. But the rest, they wouldn't tell us anything. But I thought, yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. All right, I'll leave you with this. So speaking of COVID, right, uh, Notre Dame has now had 25 players test positive, but now they found out why they tested positive. It was a tribute to the pregame meal. Yes, and also a player throwing up on the sideline. Yep. Yeah, there you go. So uh, here's Brian Kelly's comment. He says, throughout our entire time together, we had not had one meal where we sat down together. Everything was grab and go. But we get into our game situation, and they forgot the grab and go. They go, we're going to get right back down to having our team meal again. Not a good idea. Finally had a meal together. I guess somebody had COVID. He goes, it spread like wildfire. Throughout our meeting area, where we where we were eating, and then uh, it got guys in uh, contact tracing. Yeah, the guy that had it was asymptomatic, but they said it spread like wildfire. And you mentioned the person that threw up on the sideline. They said that they thought he was just dehydrated or something. They didn't know what it was, but once he um, basically hurled over there, <laughs> then uh, you know other people were still around it. It's an airborne thing. It got in the air, and players got it from somebody throwing up. So, bottom line is, if you see somebody puke in this day and age. <laughs> Don't go check it out. Run away. Stay away. That's what I would do. I, I, I've never What's there under- to see? I've never understood the fascination with that anyhow. You yeah. know, oh, let's see what he had for lunch. No, yeah. I don't care. I don't want to see. What's worse, that or going after the video in a car crash? Same thing. Stay away. Yeah. I Let mean, people do their job, do their work. Yeah. Just, you know, back off. Uh, uh. All right, there you have it. Uh, some <laughs> terrible Tuesday takes. They can hit us on Twitter if you've got some of your own at TCMartin21 at VGK Frank. When we come back, we'll talk to the old quarterback, Steve Berline. We'll talk about week three in the NFL. The TC Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. TC Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. All right, the Golden Domer joins us right now. We're talking the former Irish quarterback, NFL quarterback, and, of course, CBS Sports football analyst Steve Berline. What's going on, Patna? Well, man, just another wonderful weekend of NFL football. A lot of, lot of you know, crazy stuff happening in Tennessee and Minnesota right now with all this virus stuff, but man, what a great weekend for football it was. Well, you know, we just got done, Steve, talking about your alma mater and, and the story there. I'm sure you probably heard uh, uh, Brian Kelly coming out and talking today about you know the uh, 25 
players tested positive for COVID. Obviously, you know, we talked last week that the Irish had to postpone their game against Wake Forest, but now they found out that it attributed to a pregame meal and a player throwing up on the sidelines. Give me, give me some feedback about that. You know, I, I haven't even followed it, to be honest with yeah. you. I didn't, I didn't realize that that's where they tracked it all, too. Um, well, uh, well, you know, it just shows... Here's a Brian Shows how Kelly. careful you got to be, you know. Yeah, Brian Kelly said that you know throughout the entire time together during COVID, they have not had one team meal together, not one sit down meal, and everything's been grab and go. So what happened before their last game is you know they went back to normal and did the team meal thing, and then somebody caught it, right? Yeah, well, spread it. Yeah, one guy was asymptomatic, and they said that uh, he spread it, and then it just spread like wildfire throughout the team meal. Yeah, how crazy is that? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Just shows you. I mean, that's that's uh, that's how easy it can happen, no doubt. But uh, but you know, we, we gotta we gotta keep pushing. We gotta keep trying to find ways to get back to normal, right? And uh, there are going to be little set, setbacks like this along the way. But um, you just gotta dust yourself off and get back after it. So I'd like to know, Steve. Give me a typical Fighting Irish pregame meal. What are we eating there? <laughs> Well, number one, PC, let, let's 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 be very clear. Okay, uh, the, the the players today are eating a little bit differently than the players <laughs> of yesterday. This is true, <laughs> but I know you've been around campus, you know, since you graduated. Okay, you know what you know what I, they're serving over there. I don't get invited to team meetings, to team meals. <laughs> That's you true. Me? That's true. They don't let any outsiders in there, but I guarantee you, they're eating well. They're eating uh, healthy, but they're getting. Uh, you know, very high quality food across the board, and um, you know they they manage that stuff nowadays at, at every at every level. Um, you know, it's just just exactly the way they want the calories to be. And you know, if you're a big guy that has a little bit of a weight issue, uh, they're managing the calories in. If you're a smaller guy that has a hard time keeping weight on, they're trying to pack it on you by increasing the calorie count. So uh, it's 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 all science now, like everything else. Uh, it's pretty amazing when you really look into how how technical all this stuff really is. Right. So you mentioned uh, you know with the NFL, the Tennessee Titans closed their facility today after three players and five staff members tested positive for COVID. Tennessee played at Minnesota on Sunday. The Vikings then closed their facility as well. Uh, again, some some news that. NFL fans really don't want to hear, but we all said this could happen because we saw it happen in baseball, seen it happen a little bit in the NBA, and and here we go, the NFL, without the bubble concept. Uh, hopefully this is kept to a minimum. Yeah, you know, you hope it, it is. And, and football is so much different, not only because of the, the physical style um, and the, uh, you know, the demands of the game, the way the game is played, but You've got so many more people, and you've got um, so much more time required to be together. Um, you know, it, it's it's almost impossible to expect that there aren't going to be a few of these issues that come up during the season. So, hopefully, the the plans that are in place, they'll be able to manage it and maintain, and be able to, you know, get through it and not be disrupted too significantly, but. Uh, that's that's the big the big fear that all of us have. There's going to be a couple of breakouts like this, and um, you know, hopefully they'll they'll be able to fight through it, and, and this season won't be affected too significantly. Steve, now I I was reading a story today, and it mentioned that Minnesota definitely still plans on playing their game this weekend, but there's a possibility that because their facilities are shut down, that they might go into their next game without having any more practices in that to make sure that they don't have a breakout of COVID or something like that. How detrimental or how difficult would that be to go into a game in the NFL if you're not practicing basically that week leading up to it? Well, it'd be it'd be absolutely amazing if uh, a team that is uh, given those restrictions uh, can be competitive. Uh, if, if all things are not equal, meaning that one team is able to practice and execute a, a game plan uh, during the, during the course of the week or put together a a game plan, which requires timing, it requires repetition, um, because you're always tweaking and making changes to not only to uh, adding and, and subtracting plays, but also 
uh, doing doing the same kind of things, but out of different looks, different personnel groups, different formations. And, uh, you know, th- these are things that go on every week, and it requires a lot of time meeting and looking at film and going over responsibilities, uh, teaching and, and learning both sides, and then obviously going out in the field and getting the timing down as well. So it would be a tremendous disadvantage for the team that is, is uh, forced to handle them, their preparation that way. All right, the former quarterback Steve Berline joins us. Steve, last night, Monday Night Football, we anticipated a great game. Uh, it turned out to be great for Kansas City, not so much for Baltimore. And I know you've seen both these guys quite a bit in your broadcasting career with CBS. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, you know, that debate. You know, Lamar Jackson winning the regular season MVP last year. Uh, he looked nothing like an MVP. And, and again, when we look at, at, at Jackson, he is 0-2 in playoff games. He's 0-2 against Kansas City. I want to know what you see when you look at these these two quarterbacks, but specifically Lamar Jackson, and, and why do you think, I know it's a small sample size, why is he having problems leading his team to victories when they count the most? Well, that's a great question, and um, there's a lot of different philosophies as to why that is, or hypotheses, or whatever you want to say. Um, you know, the only team that he's consistently had trouble with is, is Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes, and, and uh, it seems like the Chiefs just have their number right now. They know how to defend Lamar better than anybody else. Uh, Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, does a really good job of mixing things up, and and maybe you know he has some keys on on what Baltimore does that he's been able to decipher and determine based on personnel groups, formations situations, all that kind of stuff, and he really just seems to cause problems for Lamar that that nobody else can, and, you know, when you, you look at how easily uh, it seems to go for Lamar against everybody else that he plays, I mean, he's throwing on rhythm, he's throwing with accuracy, uh, they're able to rip through people running the ball between the tackles, uh, Lamar can get it to the outside, he gets his, his big plays using his feet, uh, it just seems like he never is comfortable for whatever reason, going against the Chiefs. And I really felt that Baltimore was going to be on a mission last night. I thought they were going to make a statement. I, I really felt that they were going to win that game, and Lamar was going to be unstoppable. But right from the, you know, other than that first drive, and one or two other little series later in the game, uh, he did not look like he was comfortable, and that he really knew what was going on as far as what to expect from the defense. He threw the ball into coverage a lot more than he normally does, uh, his, when he did have guys open at different points, he was missing them because his rhythm was off a little bit. Uh, I don't know what to attribute it to. That's just the way it is. It, it seems to be when they play Kansas City, maybe it's a mental thing. Uh, I don't know. But uh, it, it's very concerning to John Harbaugh and the Ravens because if you can't beat Kansas City, you're, you're not going to the Super Bowl. Steve, you know, when it comes to the rankings and stuff like that, a lot of people think that the athletes don't really care, but yet we do know that some of them have a chip on their shoulder for that kind of stuff, and they use that for motivation. We know Brady's talked about that where he was drafted for years. Russell Wilson is having a great season this year. He's never got a first-place vote for MVP. And Mahomes' girlfriend just came out, and she basically mentioned that he was listed as the fourth-best quarterback last year. Well, guess what? He's the boss, and you guys keep on rating him there because it just motivates him. Do sometimes these guys look at that kind of stuff and say, you know what, you guys put me wherever you want to in the rankings, I'm going to show exactly why you're wrong? Well, I think everybody's a little different. I I think that everybody that is successful at the the highest level in anything is a big part of their success is their competitiveness and their desire to be the best and and their willingness to work uh, harder than everybody else and do the little bit extra that makes you the best. And so I don't think that uh, Patrick Mahomes loses any sleep over it. I don't think that any of those guys lose any sleep over uh, how people rank them. But I guarantee you they don't forget. When they read it and they see it, they're like, oh, okay, well, uh, let's see if they feel that way after this week or after this season. And it does provide a little bit of extra you know, uh, motivation to uh, try and, and improve yourself at the different levels. I know – for me, you know, my my, my whole career, um, I was labeled as a journeyman, a backup. Uh, even if I had some success starting, it just seemed like none of my situations worked out long term. And I was so determined 
to find a way to prove that I could be uh, a regular starter and establish myself as a legitimate, uh, you know, uh, starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I didn't talk about it much, but it, it, it motivated me every single day through my workouts and through my uh, mental preparation. It was just that desire to show that I could be one of the best. So I think everybody's kind of wired that way that is uh, successful in whatever they do. All right, Steve Berline joins us. All right, Steve, we've got six 3-0 and teams here. <clears throat> Might be an easy answer here, and we just say the Chiefs, but for the sake of conversation and argument, maybe you have somebody else here. Who's the best 3-0 and team as we stand right now? Bills, Steelers, Titans, Chiefs, Packers, Seahawks. I would say if I'm if I'm having to pick one, uh, it's not Pittsburgh. I know that because the combined record of their three wins is zero nine. So they have the teams that they haven't beaten anybody yet. So uh, they're the ones that still have to prove themselves to me. Uh, of those teams you mentioned, though, uh, I, I would say you know Buffalo stands out to me as a team that you really need to be on edge and worried about. But Seattle, I think, is the team that can really show up any week and beat anybody and and they would go into a game with Kansas City as uh, I, I would have a hard time picking a favorite with the way that those two teams are playing and specifically those two quarterbacks. So I know Frank wants to let me have it right now, Frank. So go ahead, let everyone hear it. Yeah, uh, showing your little Green Bay colors there. The Bears are also three and zero. They're not the best three and zero team, but they are three and zero, Mister. Every week you keep on saying Atlanta's the best zero and two now zero and three team. Give a little love to the Bears, okay? <laughs> oh, jeez. It's true. They're finally get it done, but you know, uh, it, it, it's it's the, the Bears are a good, sound team, but. Um, you know, I just don't see it happening. Um, uh, you know, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say there's no chance, but I will say that of the three and O teams, uh, you know, aside from Pittsburgh, I don't think it's proven anything. I don't think that the Bears have really proven much yet either. But uh, you know, you have to, get, you have to bring your lunch pail and get physical to beat the Bears. And if they get consistent play out of Nick Foles moving forward and he stays healthy, uh, you know, they they can be competitive, no doubt about it. Oh, let's let's talk a little bit about that situation. Mitchell Trubisky won the job, maybe by default, but you bring in a guy like Nick Foles, and I know Nick thought like, "Hey, you're bringing me in. I should probably be the starter." But you know, the guy's been through this before. Comes in, leads a 16 point comeback in the final six and a half minutes. Uh, have we seen the last of Trubisky in Chicago? You think? You know that, that's a great question, and, and if you go by past history. With Nick Foles, probably, because this is the only time that Nick Foles really excels is when he's the backup and he comes in during the season and he has, uh, you know, he, he takes over and goes on one of these runs. Uh, whenever he's been the starter and he's had the pressure and the expectation of being a starter coming into the season, he's never had success. But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, that team, you could tell by the end of that game, that team really was energized by having him on the field. Uh, the throw that he made to win the game, taking that hit uh, and delivering a strike up the field, uh, that's the kind of play that really endears yourself to your teammates. I see how tough he is, how he stood in there and delivered the strike, whereas maybe Trubisky, the rap on him, along with a lot of these other uh, young quarterbacks who maybe aren't achieving at the level they should be, is that they get distracted by the rush. And when, when they feel pressure, their eyes don't stay down the field. So they miss those opportunities to make plays down the field. Nick Foles has done it enough. He trusts himself. He knows it's part of the job, and he sees the opportunity down the field. He knows taking the shot is, is going to happen once and once part of the job, and he's shown he can handle it. So uh, I, I would expect him to play pretty consistently well and uh, give Chicago a chance, more of a chance than if Trubisky were still the quarterback. Nobody ever wants to see an injury in the NFL, but we know that it's part of the game sometimes. With all that Trubisky's been through in his young career, with the bad media, and now getting benched where he said it came out of nowhere, he didn't even know that it was going to happen. He was basically told by one of the assistant coaches, oh, by the way, uh, we're putting Foles in here. Is there any worry that if they need to go back to him again at, at some time in this season that um, it might be a, a mental block for him to get through? Or is this a time that it's like if you do get another chance, you need to just go out there and prove why uh, you should be one of the guys, if not, uh, if, the, if not the starting quarterback, certainly in a competition for it? 
Well, let me put it this way. If if he doesn't chomp at the bit and wait for the next opportunity to get out there and prove everybody wrong, if he is not strong enough to get through this part of the, the game, which happens to excuse me, probably um, 75% of the quarterbacks ever play the game, uh, then he won't, he won't last. If he's not mentally tough enough to get through this and, and use it as motivation uh, to, to get better and to come out more motivated to, to prove himself, uh, then he wasn't going to ever be a great quarterback anyway. So uh, we're, we're going to learn a lot about Mitchell Trubisky because I, I, would, I would be surprised if he, if he doesn't get another opportunity. Maybe it won't be this year, uh, but he's going to have a, an opportunity to show him, prove himself, and uh, we'll see if he is able to use it to motivate and, and improve his, his level of play or if he's going to let it swallow him up and chew him up and spit him out like it's happened to many people in the past. All right, my friend. I know that uh, you're an all-around sports guy, man. You better be in front of the TV today, tomorrow, next couple days. We got day baseball, playoff baseball. You can't beat it, man. We got eight games tomorrow. We got four today. Come on, you got to love this. Well, you got to love it. It's a great time of year. You got uh, NBA championship coming up here pretty quick as well. So uh, a lot to be excited about, and, uh, and uh, we know there's going to be another great weekend of football coming. And uh, there'll be so much to talk about for the next uh, next several weeks with all this stuff going on. You got it, my man. All right, we appreciate the time, Steve, as always. Great stuff, great insight. Have fun, take care, enjoy, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you hopefully next week. All right, TC, take care, buddy. We'll catch you later. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Steve Burline, the former quarterback and uh, the CBS analyst for the NFL as well as college football as well. Major League Baseball, the Astros have exploded four runs in, uh, actually three runs in the top of the ninth. They were uh, down at two outs, bases loaded. Altuve got hit by a pitch. Michael Brantley uh, had a two-run double. As we get ready to go to the bottom of the ninth inning, the Astros lead the Twins 4-1. to one. And we know the Twins have lost, what, 16 in a row in the postseason. And most of those have come to the Yankees over the years. And they thought, okay, this is our, our, our chance to, to break the streak. They were at home. They're like a $1.70 favorite. Doesn't look like it'll happen. Well, they're on a roll, but it's not the kind of roll you want to be on. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's the reverse roll going on here. So, uh, yeah, things haven't gone well. And, uh, well, if you wanted to see history made, uh, you could still see it in this playoffs, but it won't be today as far as the no-no goes, at least not for the White Sox. That's right. Yeah, uh, White Sox still ahead of the A's, but uh, Giolito gets the – uh, no, no, broken up in the seventh inning, but the uh, White Sox uh, in control, though. They're ahead 4-1 to one as well, top of the ninth inning. All right, we'll talk a little bit more Major League Baseball on the other side. Glad to have you with us here on a terrible Tuesday, T.C. Martin Show. You're listening to some bullshit on the T.C. Martin Show. The Aces in action tonight, game number five. Tips off at 4.30 in the Wubble in Braden in Florida. It's a 2-2, the series, the Connecticut Sun and the Las Vegas Aces. Aces had their backs against the wall, had the big Game 4 victory where they won by 9, 84-75. And the Aces uh, have been favored in every game in this series. And they were even favored in Game 6 by three points, even without D'Arca be the sixth woman of the year. So I think uh, now people feel, okay, they got a little mojo going. But, you know, Bill Ambeer says, hey, we're confident, but... They got to come out and they got to play well tonight. They got to take care of the basketball, not turn the ball over. And if the Aces win, they will be in the WNBA Finals and it'll be the first in franchise history. Yeah, and, and you know, and I know it's a terrible Tuesday here, and I'm not going to pile on the Aces at all. But Asia Wilson yesterday, last night, talking to the media, did the old line of, well, you know, nobody expected us to be here anyhow. So, I, and I understand you're trying to motivate the team and you're trying to get, come on, everyone expected you to be here. Everyone expected you to be playing for the championship. Connecticut was the seventh seed. You're the one seed. Yes. So, I mean, I get where you're trying to motivate. You don't need to. Just go out and win the damn game. Yeah, but don't, but don't do. When you're the number one, but seed, here's you where can't she's. I'm no. going to defend her. No, I understand what you're going to say. Okay. They have injuries and these no. players out now. Prior to that, okay. Yeah. Prior to that, they were not the. No one thought they would be the number one seed. They thought they would could probably be in the top four or five. 
legitimately they're a, they're a top four team as they headed into this season. Then when you had no Cambage and no Plum, people thought, okay, remember they only had six players, you know, when they started the season. Actually, eight suited up for the very first game, and they weren't healthy. So I think that's what she's talking about. Now, no, I, I to agree. be fair, they were she, one and two, and then they won seventeen out of nineteen, and then that's where the number one seed came from. So no, I, I agree. That's yeah. what she was talking about yeah. too. But you don't the, say that. Maybe right. to the novice fan. But no, I mean, maybe to the experts, they knew all that stuff. Most people expected them to be there. You, you've got number one draft picks all over the place. <laughs> You're one of the top teams out there. You have some. You had the MVP of the year and the sixth person of the year for the second year in a row. Yes. It's no. No one expect. No, come on, come on. They weren't the favorite. And they went to the bubble. They, oh, they but, weren't the favorite. How far down they were? They were in the in the but, sports but, books on the lines in that. When the well, you don't go to the sports because last year they made them the favorite, which was ridiculous. How can you not make Deladon and the Washington? But Mystics if you're the or, favorite, or you Seattle. can't say no one expected us to be here. Yeah, I, but from the betting favorite, that's, that's I, a joke. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. You, you, you're a fan. We all hope they win. No, legitimately, they were the third or fourth best team as they head into the bubble this year. That's let's legit talk. Which is still better than the seventh seed, but I believe. You, but you're right. When you get to be the number one seed, <laughs> she shouldn't have said it. I was I was in that press conference, and I I, I hear you. I, I agreed with you. I thought the same thing. Did she? Really say that, Asia? Really? I just kind of shook my head. Like, come yeah, on! I know. Time and place. Yes. Okay. Just say, Fair you enough. know what? There's a reason people thought we were going to be here because we are going to be here and we're going to be playing for the title. Fair enough. All right. There you go. You got another terrible Tuesday to send us out on. Quickly. Thought I, thought I just did. Oh. But yeah, here's one. How about Andre Bad Moon Rising? Yes. He wants Dan Quinn. Thinks he should be fired as the coach of the Falcons. 0-3. Says he could turn things around. He knows what to do. He wants to be the head coach of the Falcons. He has coached a high school team, and he was an assistant coach doing something at Michigan State the last couple years. Never been a head coach at an NFL. Never coached in the NFL. Well, doesn't that come on the heels of what? Neon, Dion, Primetime, Sanders. He said, Neon, you got Orvin. a job. Now it's time. He didn't get an NFL job. Yeah. You've never coached. And all of a sudden, you're going to turn things around because you know what you're doing. You've never been a head coach. This ain't high school. Come on. Come on, man. You just don't like him because he was a one-time Packer. No, I don't like him because that's he was just a Super Bowl stupid. winning Packer. That's just dumb. I know. Did you get his house burned down? You have no Left eye Lisa Lopez burned yeah. his house down? Well, you know, you keep your shoes around. They're going to go in the tub and get some uh, lighter fluid poured on them. I want to thank Steve Berline for joining us. All right, Ballpark Frank and I will be back at it again tomorrow. We'll talk some baseball. Chris Bazio, maybe Steve Sachs. Scott Spritzer will join us. Heavy baseball day tomorrow. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. Numchuck, you did good today. There he is. He's an up-and-coming pitcher. You're just happy because he's letting you watch your baseball game. That's right. Astros (laughs) head. Astros win. They just won. That's why he's on your good side right now. You might buy him lunch Friday. (laughs) TCMartinShow.com. Maybe.